Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Good morning. Shavua Tov. What a beautiful day we have it today on the 24th day in the month of Menachem Av. And what's unique about today and the connection between today and Shabbos is this. Did you know that every day of the month, for that matter, every day of the year, but the book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms, is broken up into 30 parts, so that every day of the month, we can say one section, or one part, of the book of Tehillim. So typically on a day, we may say between three and six chapters of Tehillim. And today, on the 24th day of the month, we say chapters of Tehillim that are very closely connected to the first day of every month, Rosh Chodesh. You see, on Rosh Chodesh, we recite a special prayer during the holiday, during the service. It's known as Hallel. Hallel means to give praise. Some of you may have heard the name Hillel. Hillel, very famous Talmudic sage. Hillel comes from the same word as Hallel, to give praise to God. And then every holiday when we need to give praise to God, including Rosh Chodesh, we recite this special prayer known as Hallel. And today, the 24th day of the month, those chapters which are used for Hallel on a Rosh Chodesh are recited during the recitation of Tehillim, of the book of Tehillim. And what do you know? This coming Shabbos is going to be Rosh Chodesh. is going to be the new month of Elul. And therefore, this coming Shabbos is a very special Shabbos where we get to sing the Hallel. We get to sing the words of praise, the chapters of praise to God. And we also get to take out two Torah scrolls from the Ark. And we read one Torah scroll, we read the portion of the week. And from the second Torah scroll, we read the portion relating to the day of Rosh Chodesh. So all in all, this is a very special week. It begins with Hallel. It ends with Hallel. begins with giving God praise. It ends with giving God praise. And you know what? We have a lot to give God praise for. We give God praise for the big things in our life. When we get that job we were trying to get, that promotion we were trying to reach, the good health we get after a health scare. And we give God praise for the smaller things in life. For the fact that we have food on our table, nachas from our kids, and so on. Well, I shouldn't say having food or having nachas is small, but sometimes we look at them as small, things that we we get used to because we have it every single day. You know, talking about the food on the table and what we eat for breakfast, what do you have for breakfast today? My coffee is ready right now, and soon we're going to say Shema, and we'll make a bracha on the coffee. But I'm reminded of the story of Chaim Yankel from Chelem. You know what Chelem is? Chelem is a city where uh, silly people come from. People who, simple people, I shouldn't say silly people, simple people typically come from the city of Chelem. And there's many jokes about those who come from Chelem of not getting 
typical social cues. So Chaim Yankel is coming from Chelem and he, he goes on a trip to America. He doesn't really know how to speak English. He definitely can't read English. And he, he stays with his cousin Sruli. Sruli is the tailor from Brooklyn. So he stays in his house. His first time to America. He's excited. He's staying at his cousin's house in Brooklyn. But, and he's planning to you know, go out on the town. But Sruli has to go off to work. So Chaim Yankel stays home. When he's home, he decides, you know what, I'm bored anyway, so I'm going to do a puzzle. So he grabs a puzzle, he opens the box, he pours out all the pieces on the table, and try as he might, he can't put the puzzle together. He tries once, he tries twice, over and over, he's putting the pieces this way, pieces that way. It's the Yiddish word of the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. Sishtimpnisht means they don't go together. Sishtipnisht. Doesn't go together. So after a while, he gets frustrated and he calls up his, his cousin, Sruli, and he says, Sruli, I'm very frustrated, he tells him in Yiddish. He says, Chaim Yankel, what is? What's the matter? What's wrong? He says, I'm trying to put the puzzle together. I just can't do it. He says, put the puzzle together? Where did you find the puzzle? What puzzle is it? I, I don't remember having a puzzle in my house. You know what? Tell me. What's the picture on the front of the puzzle? What does it look like? He says, well, the background is white and it's got a rooster on the box. Sruli says, Chaim Yankel, put all the pieces back into the cornflakes box and put it back in the shelf. So yes, we have a lot to be thankful for, including that we know the difference between are cornflakes and a puzzle. Okay. So if you have a yarmulke, guys, if you got a yarmulke, put it on your head. And um, I'll give you a minute to find a yarmulke or a uh, shmata. Put it on your head. And let's get together ready to say shema. Everyone, please take your right hand, cover your eyes. And let's say together, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch, Shem, Kivod, Malchuso, Le'olam, Va'ed. Take your hand off your eyes. Please grab some coins and a pushka. And let's put pushka coins. In the, we're going to put pushka in the coins, you know. Some people put, talking about cornflakes, some people put some sugar in their cornflakes because they want it a little sweet. So some people put sugar in their cornflakes and some people, when they eat breakfast, they put the cornflakes into sugar. Okay, so put some coins into the pushka. Make some noise. As especially as we get to the month of Elul, which is the last month of the year, right? We're just getting ready for the new year. So they're just over five weeks is Rosh Hashanah. I take it back, it's exactly five weeks, I think, from tonight, is Rosh Hashanah, the new year of Rosh Hashanah. Really, really exciting time. New beginnings, new ways of acting and treating each other. And we start with the month of Elul. We start by giving extra charity, looking back at our year past, see the things that we've kind of not done so well and ways that we can improve and we have the opportunity to meet up with God, so to speak. He's readily accessible and available to meet with us and talk to us and hear what we need. And all that happens starting now as we get ready for the month of Elul. And in fact, Rachi has a special women's book club on a book called 60 Days. And that's the 60 days of the two months, the months of Elul and the months of Tishrei. The month of pre the preparatory month leading up to uh, Rosh Hashanah, which includes, by the way, that we blow the shofar every day, just as a preparation for the real shofar blowing on Rosh Hashanah, and then the month of Tishrei, which has Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Simchas Torah, a month filled with exciting holidays and chances for renewal and a change, a chance for change. You know, we may have said, oh, this year was a really bad year. 
the price of gas is up, people out of work, this, that. We have so many reasons to feel that this year may have not been a perfect year. And then comes the month of Elul, and it's an opportunity for change, and obviously change for the better. Okay, if you have a drink, please hold it in your hand, and let's say together the bracha. Baruch, Ata, Adonai, Eloheinu, Melech, Ha'olam, Shehakol, Nihiyah, Bidvaro. Nothing like a nice hot coffee in the morning. So, as we do every week at Chabad, we have amazing Shabbos services, and I invite you to join us. We begin each week at 10 o'clock, and we have services that are exciting. We sing songs, we have obviously some Jewish humor, someone explains the Parsha. It's like, you know, high holidays throughout the year. And after the services are over, we always have an amazing fabrengen, a get-together. Fabrengen is the Yiddish word for get-together. We sit down, we sing songs, we, we uh, fabreng with each other. There's words of inspiration. If we're lucky, the rabbi brings the podium over to the fabrengen so that uh, he has more to speak about. And of course, each week, the person who sponsors the Kiddush, sponsors the lunch, says a few words about, if it's a yard site, they'll say a few words about the yard site. If it's an anniversary, they'll speak about their uh, life together. It's always a beautiful thing, and we invite you to join us every Shabbos for um, either for services or JFK. You know, what J- JFK, you know, JFK Jews, you don't know what that is? J- you know what that is, just for Kiddush. Of course, we love the Jews who come just for Kiddush. So we'd love you to join us. And if it's something you haven't been doing yet, this might be a good time to start. We welcome you with open arms to join us. Every Shabbos is no charge. There's nothing to do. You let us know you're coming. And we love to have you. So this past Shabbos, was, uh, the, the, the lunch was sponsored by the Prochitskis and they spoke beautifully about the yard site of Rima's father. And during the Fabrengen, the discussion on the Parsha was about the fact that the Torah tells us an interesting discussion or commandment that Moses tells us. In the Parsha, Moshe says to us that God wants something very, very simple for you. Very simple. All God wants from you, the Jewish people, is to fear Him. To have awe of heaven. And the Talmud asks, Really? And in fact, is the, the Aramaic word of the day brought to you by Peter Hoffman is Yira, fear of heaven, Milsa Zutrasahi? Is that an easy thing to do? Milsa Zutrasahi? Come on, you could say that. Milsa Zutrasahi? Is that an easy thing to do? It's not an easy thing to do. How many people really reach the level where they have complete love and awe for God? Now, obviously, we all have it to some extent. And there are times we have it more than others. And Elah on on Yom Kippur, you obviously feel more awe of God than you do on your typical workday when you're running around the hustle and bustle. So what does it mean that it's all God wants from you is to have fear of heaven? So the Talmud answers, that's because for Moses, for Moses, that's easy. Moses, the level that Moses is, for him, fear and awe and love of God and connection to God is very easy. It's an easy thing. And obviously everyone at the Fabrengen said that was not good enough because Moses wasn't talking to himself. He meant himself too. But Moses was talking to the Jewish people. The regular Joe in the street. The regular guy. The regular Yankel. The regular Yossel. The regular Yosef. And he's telling them that fear of heaven is something easy. All God wants is to have fear. And the Alt Rebbe asks this question in his book of, of Tanya. And he answers, that's true. We're not all Moseses. However, 
there are two things. Number one is, in our souls, we all have a little Moses in us. We have a little Moshe inside of us. We have a level of our soul which is connected, deeply connected to the greatest levels of godliness. And if we tap into that level of our soul, then yes, we can accomplish anything. There's nothing that stands in our way that we cannot do when it comes to things connected to God. Any mitzvah is doable. And therefore, in every generation, God gives us a Moses of the generation. And that Moses helps us tap into the Moses inside of us. So we've got a little Moses inside of us. And how do we tap into that? By connecting to the Moses of the generation. The Rebbe helps us connect to the little Moses inside of us. In fact, in the same Parsha, yesterday's Parsha, it says that God commands us to cleave and connect to God. How do you cleave and connect to God? And Rashi says that's by connecting to the tzaddik, to the righteous person of the generation. So by connecting to the Rebbe, we connect to the deepest levels of our own souls and through that, we can accomplish anything. In fact, if we want to bring Mashiach, we talk about bringing Mashiach and having a world of universal peace with goodness and kindness, we can do it because we have that little Mashiach inside of us. So I promised that during the Kiddush yesterday that I'm going to play Eighth Day song, A Little Moses and Me, because each and every one of us can and should tap into it.
You know, this guy was told that there was a hurricane coming and there's going to be flooding in the streets and it's not safe to stay in his home. It's actually very dangerous. So they, they announced that everyone should leave their homes and move to higher ground. But Moshe wasn't having any of it because Moshe was a really God-fearing Jew. He had full faith in God, full trust that everything would be okay, and he decided he's not going. God will take care of him. So, you know, the police cars are driving through the streets and announcing over the loudspeakers, everyone should leave, go to higher ground, he's not going. It starts raining, it gets worse, and there's some light flooding going through the streets. He's standing by his window and he's watching, and as he's watching, a fire truck with the big wheels, the big truck is driving down the street and sees him, and they call out from the fire truck, get inside the truck, we'll take you to safety. And he says, no, 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 no. God's going to save me. I have faith in God. A little while later, the waters start rising, and he's looking out at the window, and he's, well, can't believe it, the water's coming up. He says, oh, he's not worried. God will take care of him. God will save him. And a little uh, dinghy, boaty thing uh, starts uh, coming through the, um, over the water, and again, someone on the boat calls out to him, come, come, jump into the boat with us. We'll take you to safety. He says, no, 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 no worries. God will take care of me. And the water is rising. And now he has to go up to his second floor because the water is rising so high and it's coming up to his ready second window. He climbs up onto his roof. And now he's on his roof. And he's sure that God is going to save him. And a helicopter is flying up above. And they drop down a uh, rope ladder. And they call out to him, Hey, yo, down there. Grab the ladder. We'll take you to safety. And he waves back at them. He says, no thanks, no thanks. God will save me. I have complete faith in God. And the waters rose. And unfortunately, our friend Moshe drowned. Comes up to heaven. And he's standing there in front of the heavenly court. And he turns to God. He says, I don't understand. I had complete faith in you. You said you, you, if you have faith, you're going to take care of me. How is it that with all my faith, I still drowned? And God said to him, what don't you understand? I tried saving you. I sent you a fire truck. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. You refused to take it. One of the other things we learned or heard or read in yesterday's Torah portion, is Moses describing the tremendous miracles that God did for the Jewish people while they were traveling through the desert for 40 years. They left Egypt and they got to Israel 40 years later. In the middle, they received the Torah and then wandered in the desert for 40 years. And in order for them to survive in the desert atmosphere for 40 years, there were these tremendous miracles that God did for them every single day. Such miracles, such, it was such a routine that it became almost like nature. 40 years, can you imagine that? Every day, manna, special bread, fell from heaven. Every single morning, there was food for them to eat. Where did they get water from? They're in the desert? Oh, no big deal. They had a stone. A stone that poured forth water they had plenty of water they were protected from the harsh elements with these special divine clouds that surrounded them and that's one of the reasons we celebrate the holiday of Sukkot in a, in a month and a half and their clothing never got ripped it remained miraculously in pristine condition they didn't have any washing machines but yet it stayed clean and it even adjusted to their size. Can you imagine that? You know, some these days they sell pants that, you know, uh, that have like these expandable waist uh, side because some people need to have an adjustment. There they had automatic godly adjustment to their clothes. It was, it was a dreamlike um, ex existence. 
had everything they needed right there in front. They didn't have to go to work. They didn't have to make a living. Everything with food, water, clothes, whatever they needed was right there. They even had whatever weather they wanted. The weather was so perfect because of the clouds of glory that surrounded them. Why was it necessary? Why do you think it was necessary for them to live this dreamlike reality for such a long time? Typically, we, we understand miracles happen at a given time for a specific reason. But this is a, a long period, 40 years, to live this dreamlike godly experience or godly reality. Why did he think they needed that? Now, we do understand that it was necessary for many reasons for the Jewish people to delay entering the land of Israel for 40 years. There was the issue of the spies, there was the issue of the golden calf, there were issues of them transforming themselves from you know, Egypt um, um, slave-like mentality. Okay, so they had to stay in the desert for 40 years, but doesn't mean they needed to have those miracles. God didn't have to have them walk down the center of the, of the, of the uh, desert. He could have led them on a route which was a lot closer to civilization. You know, I don't know if they had ways back then or Google Maps, but maybe, you know, the original Google was Moses himself. They could have just walked closer to civilization and if they needed food or they needed water or they needed new clothes, they could have just gone off to any of the cities along the route and bought food, bought clothes. Why was it so important to get their basic necessities from God in a miraculous way. So Moses explains in this parsha that the last 40 years of miracles was God's way of educating the Jewish people about a profound truth about nature and the real world. Very famous verse in the parsha it says so that God would make you know that man does not live by bread alone but rather by the word of God does man live. God took us out of Egypt and 49 days later, 50 days later, after the Egyptian slavery, God gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai. And the purpose of receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai was so that we should live lives that are permeated with the knowledge that everything is controlled and determined by the Creator, which, by the way, was another one of the topics at the Fabrengen yesterday. Now, the routineness, the fact that nature is rote, it's routine, it's constantly happening, makes it a challenge to realize that everything is controlled by God. The sun rises every day. It rises in the east, it sets in the west. There's rainy days, there's hot days, there's cold days. It's all routine. It's very hard. It's a huge challenge to be able to notice that all of the regular things that happen every day are also controlled by God. So God gave us 40 years of a miraculous survival so that we should appreciate that nutrition and shelter and comfort all comes exclusively from God. I saw a letter from the Rebbe written to a businessman from Manchester, England. His name was Zalman Jaffe. It was a letter written in English. And then at the end of the letter, the typed letter, at the end of the letter, as a postscript, the Rebbe wrote in his own handwriting these words in English and in Hebrew. Don't worry so much about business. More bitachon, Hebrew word for the day. I have two of them for you. Bitachon means trust in God. More bitachon, and the Rebbe concluded, more parnasa, more financial success. Another Hebrew word for the day brought to you by the Armenians. Bitachon means trust in God. Parnasa means financial success. So not to worry so much about 
business. You obviously have to have business, but not to worry so much about it because more bitachon, more trust in God brings about more parnasa, more success in our business. We can't wait for food to fall from heaven just like the manna fell every day during the Jews' times in the desert. And we must responsibly do our job and do our part to make a living. But success in doing our job, the success of it is in God's hands alone. And therefore, there's no reason to stress over it. Why stress over something we have no control over? It's better to realize that it's in God's hands. We're going to do our thing. We're going to get up every morning. We're going to go to work. We're going to do the things we do to try to make a living, invest our money, do, do the right thing in order to make a living. But then the rest of it, the success of that, is up to God. So what's it to stress over? Better invest our energies into nurturing an active and passionate relationship with God. How? Through learning Torah, doing the mitzvahs, praying every day, putting on tefillin, lighting Shabbos candles, giving tzedakah generously, and inspiring others to do the same. That's so important. Oftentimes we ourselves work on ourselves that we do better and better each, each day, but definitely as a new year comes, we start doing better and better for ourselves. But we sometimes forget to help inspire those around us. And once we put some extra energy into our relationship with God, and then we'll experience the heavenly blessings which flow through our natural efforts. And when we see those blessings from God, let's not forget three little important words. Thank you, Hashem. Let's always thank Hashem for those natural miracles that we have in our lives. It seems like natural nature and miracles seem like two opposites. In fact, in Ayom Yom, just the other day, in the calendar that the Rebbe wrote for each day of the year, the Rebbe quotes from the Tanya, where it says that each one of us has a soul, a second soul, which in Hebrew, Chelek Eloka Mimal Mamish. It's an actual part of God. And in the Hebrew, the Rebbe points out that the word Mamish seems to refer to actual um, physicality. The word Eloka is godliness. How can it be both physical and godly? And the Rebbe points out that that's exactly the point of the godly soul. And that is that as high as it is in spirituality, it needs to affect our world down here. So nature and miracles are not opposites. They're actually one and the same. When we see a miracle, it's only God's way of letting us realize that nature is truly godly. In other words, God is not nature, but nature is godly. So we need to say those three words, thank you, Hashem. And I saw this great um, uh, song, uh, three little words, thank you, Hashem. And it's uh, sung by Avram Fried and Yossi Hecht. Um, short, Yossi Hecht was a healthy young man and then had a, a, a terrible a health challenge and, and ended up, uh, the result of that was that he ended up in a, a wheelchair. And, and he's a very inspiring uh, young man who sings about the amazing blessings that he has from God. And he sings it together with Avram Fried. Enjoy three little words. Thank you, Hashem. Every sunrise I open up my eyes Wondering what the day will be like Will I stand where I have stood before? Mm -hmm. Breathing in the air Knowing that you're there All I can think is to say These three little words to you Hashem, thank 
For every moment of my life The wonders and the strife I say thank you Today I said thank you For the world that I believe For all the air I breathe I say thank you Today Every sunrise I open up my eyes Wondering what the day will be like Will I stand where I have stood before Breathing in the air Knowing that you're there All I can think is to say These three little words To you the opposite of a control freak is so i wanted to know i don't know if it was something that was on your bucket list to figure out but you never know the types of things that come up in my uh, brain so your luck today you're going to find out what the opposite of a control freak is so in order to determine that first i decided to ask google the definition of a control freak and here's a quote that came back uh, on Google in under 0.0213 seconds. A person who feels an obsessive need to exercise control over themselves and others and to take command of any situation. So then I thought to myself, okay, I want to hear what does Google think is wrong with being a control freak? So this came back a reply from a website called Psychology Today. And I'm quoting from this website now. It says, control freaks experience consequences ranging from constant irritability to uncontrollable anger. In addition to wreaking havoc on your mental health, being a control freak also wastes time and I'm adding, and most importantly, energy. Now, none of this was the bit surprising to me, and I'm sure it wasn't surprising to you either. And while I don't view myself as a control freak, I definitely have moments when I desperately try to change a situation that I can't control. And it happens to everyone, right? So, okay, so I, I found out Google's translation of a control freak, and now I decide I'm going to Google what is the opposite. I think the English is antonym, but maybe the opposite of a control freak. Submissive, doormat, pushover, walkover, 
Does that sound like something you want to be? You understand being a control freak doesn't sound very good. But being a doormat or a pushover, is that really better? Doesn't sound like something that I want to be. Because if control freak is a trait that causes us to be less empowered, the opposite should make us feel better and happier. And none of the options that Google came back with are going to make you feel good or happy. So I realized that being a control freak is a symptom of something much greater. It's really an expression of our fears. Fear that things will go wrong. Fear that I'll end up being in a scary place, whether scary emotionally or scary physically. And fear drives us to try, and I'm going to add to try pointlessly, we try to control the situation because of our fear. Is a beautiful mimer. A mimer is a Hasidic discourse. I talked about the word mimer last week um, when we were talking about the uh, Hasidic discourse that every Chabad boy says at their bar mitzvah. So there's a beautiful mimer that the Rebbe said on the topic we were just talking about earlier. The Rebbe says something very interesting. It says that the Jewish people, while they were in the desert, they experienced hunger for 40 years. For the 40 years that they traveled in the desert, they experienced hunger. Now obviously, as we talked earlier, it wasn't because they didn't have food. Because in fact, they had food come down, rain down from heaven every single day. They had the manna. Remember? This fantastic dish of manna, which came down from heaven, was not just any food. It's referred to as lechem min hashamayim. You know the blessing that we say on, when we eat bread? The motzi, right? Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. We thank God for bringing forth or bringing out bread from the ground. Because bread comes from the ground. I know most of you think Bread comes from the bakery. But then I'll tell you, no, 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 it comes from flour. And, and you'll say, yeah, yeah, so flour comes from stop and shop. But the real truth is, flour comes from wheat. And wheat comes from the ground. Growing up in Brooklyn, we didn't know this stuff. We didn't know that there were things that, food that grows in the ground. By us, it all came from fruit stores and, and uh, grocery stores. Anyway, so... The bread that came from heaven was called lechem mina shamayim, bread from heaven. But it wasn't just any bread. It wasn't just, you know, a nice bagel that was pouring down from heaven. It was amazing substance. And the Medrash tells us how miraculous this food was. So miraculous that it turned into whichever flavor the person chose. Can you imagine? You go out in the morning, you collect this bread, you bring it home, and you say, you know what? I'm in the mood of right now. I'm in the mood for dinner. I'm in the mood of a juicy, medium rare steak. You know, it reminds me of the famous comedian Jackie Mason who talks about a Jew who goes into a restaurant and he orders a steak. And the guy says, how would you like it? And he starts going, well, I want it medium rare. Not too medium and not too rare. A little more to the medium, a little less to the rear. You know, you know what? Let me go in the kitchen and I'll show the chef how to make it. But in the desert, there's no reason to go into the kitchen. They could sit at their seat because if they, if they wanted the taste of a juicy medium rare steak, you got it. If they were to prefer quinoa on a pepper salad, again, I have no idea when anybody would eat that, but if they prefer quinoa and pepper salad, boom, your mana had the flavor of quinoa and pepper salad. And yet, we're told that while they had all this food, the Jews were always hungry. Why? And it's based on the verse in our parsha. the Midrash describes the man as food of hunger. It doesn't describe it as godly food, it's food of hunger. The reason they were hungry 
was because they couldn't save any of the man for the following day. See, they, every morning they would collect the man, they'd eat it throughout the day, and every night when they went to sleep, they went to sleep with an empty fridge. Because the next morning, they would have to collect man again. When they went to sleep, there was nothing left in their pantries, nothing left in the refrigerators. Well, they didn't have pantries or refrigerators. They were traveling in the desert. But whatever they used in place of pantries and, and refrigerators, they didn't have. I, they, they had nothing in it because they collected it every single day. Now, when you have an empty fridge, when you have empty, an empty pantry, that makes you hungry. Even if you just finished a, a full meal, but not knowing and not seeing your food that you're going to have for the next day makes you feel hungry. What's even more interesting is that it's in this Parsha where we get the, the commandment to bless Hashem, to bench. You know, the benching after we eat a big meal, we sit down and we bench. There's many people here that love benching. And we sit down and we bench. We thank Hashem for our food. It says in the Hebrew words in the verse, Va'achalta, and you will, you will eat. Visavata, and you will be satisfied. Uveirachtas Hashem, and you're going to bless Hashem. You're going to bench. But it seems like having this mitzvah in this week's parsha doesn't make sense because they were never really satiated. They were never really full from eating the manna because they always felt like they didn't have enough for the next day. So the Rebbe explains that the purpose of the manna was to uplift the Jewish people to a whole new level of consciousness. See, typically, our emotions are very much connected to our physical possessions. When we have, when things are going good for us, we feel happy. When we lack, when we're not sure if we have money or we don't have enough money or we feel we don't have enough money, then we're worried and we're scared. But God wanted us to live on a much higher level. To break the idea that what we have and how we feel are connected. Our possessions should not be connected to the way we feel. Our ups and downs in our moods should not be connected to what we have. But rather, we should realize, as I said earlier, that God is our true source of sustenance. So the daily miracle of the manna was also a daily reminder that everything comes from Hashem. That everything's going to come from Hashem. There's nothing to worry about, as I said earlier. And after eating the manna for 40 years, the Jewish people stopped being hungry. Instead, they began to be satisfied in a way that no typical meal can satiate you. They were satisfied knowing that they were cared for. They were satisfied knowing that they would never lack for anything. Which leads back to my discussion about control freaks. To the moments we have when we try to control the things that you can't control and being worried about things that you can't change. All we need is a healthy dose of mana. All we need is to start thinking about how everything is in Hashem's hands. Everything is Hashem's hands. We were discussing if everything's in Hashem's hands and everything's directed by Hashem, what happens to free choice? And that is because everything that happens around us is directed by Hashem. It's what we do about it. How we react and act about it, that is up to us. And one way, one of the ways that we can remind ourselves or have a dose of mana is Shabbos. Oftentimes people say, Rabbi, I can't keep Shabbos. I have so much going on. I have to go into work. I have to meet clients. Shabbos is an important day to do all these other things. But if we stop every single week, one day a week, and we shut down, 
And we say, you know what? It's all in God's hands. Everything that happens to us is in God's hands. I'm going to trust in Hashem. If we do that on Shabbos, then we have that dose of mana. You know what we have? We have less anxiety. We have less stress. We have less panic because we realize, we ingrain within us the realization that God's in control. And I, being a control freak, will not help because you cannot control the things you cannot control. And the minute you realize that, the minute you realize it's Hashem who controls it all and that you don't have to do those things on Shabbos, you rather can go to shul, you can pray, you can sing, you can spend time with your family, eat challah, which is like the manna, especially if you come to Chabad, you get to eat rachis challah, which really tastes like the manna. Delicious, otherworldly challah. When you do those things, no more space in your life for anxiety. There's no more space in your life for depression. It, Shabbos is our mana. It's our medicine to lift us out from so many of our hindrances. The things that hold us back because we think we control what goes on around us. T-G-I-S. You didn't hear a mistake over there. It's not TGIF. TGIS. Thank God it's Shabbos. Or in Hebrew, Baruch Hashem, it's Shabbos. From nine to five, that wheel just keeps on turning. The rush, the drive A week of working, never evading our goal Till a moment creates a transformation Within our soul Time to unwind The daily grind is over And we can find The peace of mind, the light inside That makes us whole In a moment that dates back to creation Hashem's in control We let out a sigh And look up to the sky the sun I'm all I care So happy it's finally here Baruch Hashem it's Shabbos Baruch Hashem it's Shabbos Baruch Hashem it's Shabbos Shabbos it's Shabbos Shabbos it's Shabbos Baruch Hashem it's Signing out of all the wheeling dealing, we're zooming in and getting close to the creator of it all. To the moment that brings us separation, Ben Koidesh Lecho. Let's turn around and seek the inner meaning that can be found when we step out of our day to day routine. It's a moment our souls find elevation while greeting it. We let out a sigh and we tell her goodbye and escort her upon her way. It's just six more days till we say. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, it's Shabbos. Baruch
Obviously, Boruch Hashem, it's Shabbos, TGIS, thank God it's Shabbos. Every single week we thank God we have Shabbos, a time to unwind and to de-stress. To get rid of our stress, to get rid of our anxieties every single week. And I also want to invite you to another way to de-stress besides Shabbos every week, and that is by joining us on the Land and Spirit JLI Israel Experience. This coming March, we're going to go to Israel for eight days. It's going to be an amazing trip, and I want to invite you to join us. Registration is open now. You know, we had some of the um, parlor meetings, and we had a Zoom meeting, and you may still have questions about the trip. Reach out to me, and the reason I want you to reach out to me ASAP, even if it's just a thought in your mind, is because they're going to close registration soon. And as soon as it fills up, they close registration. And we really would love you to join us on this trip. It's a nice group of our community going together. And we'd love you to be part of it. So please reach out to me, rabbi at gotchabad.com. R-A-B-B-I at G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Or just go to our website, gotchabad.com, and click on the banner for the Israel trip, which has all the information, the itinerary highlights. Um, it's going to be a trip of a lifetime, something you really, really want to do, a high-end trip, a fun trip, an educational trip, and uh, an experience, literally an experience of a lifetime. You know, between the world-class tour guides, the personalized and customizable, very important, customizable itinerary. That means you make the trip yours. Besides the fact they'll be met and addressed by some of Israel's chief rabbis, military leaders, political and media, media leaders, and of course, a trip to Hebron, the first place that the Jewish people owned in the land of Israel. And all of that comes with five-star amenities, concierge service, luxurious hotels, gourmet meals, and the best of everything Israel has to offer. And I really would love you to join us. But you got to think about this now, figure out if this is something you want to do, and reserve right away. There's still an opportunity to cancel, but you got to register right away. Because once they fill up registration, even if you want to go, if you wake up too late and say, no, maybe I should go on this amazing trip, it's going to be too late. And then, as my father-in-law, Rachi's father, always says, here's a good Yiddish word for the day. The, you'll have the two phase. You know what the two phase are? Far fallen. Far fallen means it's too late. Far fallen, a great word. Far fallen. And, and, and in far fallen, you have two letters, fe. So you always say, if you don't do this now, you're going to have the two phase. Far fallen. It'll be too late. Now, in Judaism, you say it's never too late. And that's true with our connection to God. But it's not true about our trip to Israel. So if you're going to want to join us, you must, must either go to our website, gatchabad.com, or uh, reach out to me to ask any questions, and I'll be happy to answer them. But don't push it off for too long. Like I said, register now, and if you want to uh, cancel, there's still opportunities to cancel. Uh, they have some penalties on canceling. You'll see that on the website. But now's the time to ask about it and make a decision. Talking about decisions... I know, I mentioned Rosh Hashanah is coming up, and that means our new year of Hebrew school is coming up as well. And if you want your child or grandchild 
to have a, a Jewish experience throughout the year that they're going to love, unlock their heritage by registering them to Chabad's Hebrew school. Rachi and the amazing staff at Chabad Hebrew school give your child an experience they won't want to miss. Every single class is fun, exciting, educational, and the kids don't even realize they're getting the education because it's so much fun. They think they're at an amusement park. You know, during the summer, they spend time going to various amusement locations, whether it's the beach, it's this, it's that. Come the year, they expect to be in school all day. Oh, God, I got to go to Hebrew school? Not in Chabad Hebrew school. The kids love going because every day is fun and they learn a lot. And now for the women, there's a bunch of stuff going on for the women between now and Rosh Hashanah. Firstly, for the, well, I say it's for the women, but this one's for, really for the men. The women are invited to come to a, a Rachi's babka bake because Rachi makes the most amazing babka and people eat it and they say, how do you make this? It's delicious. Can I get the recipe? No worries. You can join Rachi for the babka bake on September 18th. That's for women. But the men get to eat it. I know. So, so if you're a woman, register so that you know how to make the amazing babka. And if you're a guy, you want to make sure the woman in your life registers so that you'll get to eat amazing babka. And the other thing going on for the women during this time before Rosh Hashanah is the book club. The book club on the book known as 60 Days by Simon Jacobson, an amazing spiritual guide to the entire high holidays. It's a great book and a great discussion takes place on Zoom and you don't want to miss it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending part of your Sunday with me here on our Schmooze program. I look forward to seeing you sometime during this week, but if not, at least at Shabbos. Remember, thank God it's Shabbos. Baruch Hashem at Shabbos. Please join us Shabbos for services, for Kiddush, this week for Rosh Chodesh, for the Hallel, the singing and the celebration. Oh, I quickly, I almost forgot. This is for something really, really exciting. The truck has come. It has arrived. What am I talking about? The beautiful Ark and Bima and Mechitzas and, and the Chazenstender uh, and the rabbi's podium, it all came. It's all here stacked up and packaged up so well. It came with the, uh, the moving company, brought it over here. And we're really excited because the new Ark, the most exquisite Ark you've ever seen in your life. You've seen you know, Arks that hold the Torah in, 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 in synagogues around the world. You may have seen in a shul growing up. You may have traveled the world and seen beautiful Arks. But this one's unique. It's modern, it's beautiful, and it has a unique touch to it, which you're going to get to see at some point because we're going to have a celebration to welcome the new Ark, the new Bima, the new Shtenda. But it all, it's all here, and this week, um, the uh, company is going to be installing that into our shul, and it's going to enhance the shul to ways it's never been before. So I'm really excited about it, and I'm really excited for when you guys are going to be able to, well, I'm excited when I'm going to be able to see it. And I'm also excited when you guys are going to be able to come and see it as well. In the meantime, I want to wish you to be inscribed and sealed for a good and sweet year. As they say in Hebrew, Ksiva v'chasima tova, l'shana tova umesuka. And remember, your next deed will change the world, so make it a good one. L'chaim! You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.